at the FPP podcast, I'd like to thank you for the guest here at Welcome to the show. This is Film Photography Podcast 88, October 1st, 2013. And we just opened up with Kirsten's song, Gear Acquisition Syndrome, known as Gas, by most people. <laughs> this sounds like a morning radio show, right? Yeah, we just opened up with, and everyone loves the song. I'm here in the studio. We're going to read a quick letter from Kirsten, but I just want to let everyone know that my name is Michael Rosso. We're here in the studio. To my left is Leslie Lazenby. Good morning, everyone. Afternoon or evening, depends on when you're listening. Absolutely. Then there's Mr. Matt Mirage. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, and Mr. John Fideli. Happy Halloween. What does that mean? It's October 31st. Happy Halloween. Oh. It's October 1st. Oh, it's October 1st. <laughs> Get ready for Happy Halloween. <laughs> uh, Leslie, what does um, our good friend Kirsten say? Well, she wrote us a letter. It says, hi, Michael. I just wanted to tell you that I had a fantastic time at the FPP walking workshop in lovely downtown Finley, Ohio. Absolutely can't wait for the next one. Faith has already asked when slash where the next one will be. She can't wait either. She has also been listening through the archives of podcasts. So you now have another dedicated, devoted listener. It was really such a thrill to meet you, Matt, Lauren, Leslie, and Alex. And she would have loved to have met John Fidelli, but he wasn't there. Does it actually say that? No, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, she, she just knows. Uh, absolutely, yes. Psyche, Having listened to every episode in your archive, you guys pretty much feel like family. Oh. You guys are so friendly and knowledgeable. I learned a great deal and had a blast doing so. I can't wait to try negative bleaching, and I'm itching to try 4 by 5 I had such a great time and came home feeling so inspired that I sat down and combined my two loves film photography, and music. I wrote and recorded, I recorded it at home, so it's a little lo-fi, but listenable, I think, Mm -hmm. and a simple little ditty for your crew that I like to call Gas. I've attached it, downloaded it, and now all of you have heard it, actually. Uh, I think it's okay. I posted a link to the FPP page, and her website is kirstenireland.com. K-I-R-S-T-E-N-I-R-E-L-A-N-D.com. That's it. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's what, pretty what, much what, that's it. it? Oh, you were the catalyst. You were the catalyst for that, by the way. She's talking about putting her website together. She thanks Mike for the inspiration for that. Hopefully the song will give you a smile as your podcast has done so many times for me. Oh. Thanks again for putting together such a top-notch weekend. I know a lot of work was involved, and I really appreciate it. X.O. Kirsten. Oh, Thank yeah. you very much, Kirsten. It's 
It's a great little song. Everyone really likes it. And Matt, you were just mentioning we're going to be talking about Photostock today. The, did anyone actually hear it over there or no? Yeah, I played it for a group of folks late, late at night. We were talking. We were sitting around the campfire uh, with some fellows singing songs, playing guitar. Someone said, we need a song about gas. I was like, nope, it's already done. You know, within a year or so, I could see like a homemade wooden platform stage <laughs> and like a little music going on because I mean, we already right have now music. it's just a hoot, hoot nanny. Right. Yeah. We, we have musicians in the house and someone like Kirsten can come down with a guitar and like sing about film. It's the natural Aww. evolution of things. It really is. Do a little Paul Simon Kodachrome. Yeah. And also recently in our studio was uh, Rebecca and Darren Riley. Who are they now? And uh, they wrote in, too. Actually, I think maybe John should read this, because he can do it with the accent. Oh, I don't know. Here we go. Tap right, John, John for I'm his accent. I'm going to butcher your... Let me see if I can do a Darren accent. Yeah. Hi, Mike. I'm writing to thank you for, for the part you played in our wonderful honeymoon. It was great to meet up with you again, and the kindness and generosity you and everybody else showed us was above and beyond what we've already come to expect from you. It's terrible, Darren, impersonation. It's not so bad. You're almost there. Can I, can I do, like, the Phil Collins? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, I'll Shift do the, right the um, what is it, uh, South Park yeah. Phil Collins. <laughs> from driving us around to providing us with film to document <laughs> our adventure to feeding us, we appreciate everything. I thoroughly enjoyed being on your podcast, and I hope they turn out well. By the way, if my songs turn out okay, you're welcome to put them on SoundCloud as individual tracks. And free downloads. Arr. Now I'm a pirate. Arr. I don't know what happened. I'm not going... All right. I'm not going to go on and on or else it will get embarrassing. So I'll keep the thanks short. Suffice to say, we had a great time. Easily the best holiday we've had. Couldn't have happened without you. Thanks again. Baron and Decky. <laughs> uh, um, Darren and Becky. That's yeah, awesome. Great Would, to see them. Wouldn't we you want awesome your honeymoon time. to be the best? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, Darren, of course, Hopefully that'll be their best honeymoon ever. Oh, yeah, it won't compare point. to their... Darren, of course, is Ballard Pop, the yep. pop star. Yep. You can, I think you can go to ballardpop.bandcamp.com. I think that's... Oh, that's pretty good. I, I think you may be actually I right. I think that's the link for his new tunes. And his new newest album is called... Uh, it's called... Uh, where's your eye? Your your Bucky. Bucky. Yeah, it is Bucky. Yeah, Bucky. see? His Bucky. new album, Bucky. I didn't ask Darren if that's his, like, is that who, like, who's Bucky? But check it out. The tunes are really, really good, and we'll play them. <laughs> we'll play them later on in the show. What show? Yeah. But I just want everyone to know this is the Internet Radio Show for people who love to shoot film. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason whatsoever, we're podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. <gasps> we're also filmphotographyproject.com. That is our website, which you will see the links for. Uh, the show. Show? What show? Uh, blogs, videos, our FPP store, and lots of stuff. So, yeah. All your film needs. All your film needs. Intellectual and otherwise. Let's roll it right into Mr. Matt Mirage, who recently came back this summer. Who came back this summer. Uh, who went this summer. This, this summer. There we go. <laughs> this summer, it. Matt went to Photostock 2013. Yeah. And he brought back a full report. Okay, so uh, Photostock is like this... Awesome summertime gathering of uh, usually film photographers, large format photographers, alternative process. I mean, if you like, if you enjoy photography and at least have just a little bit of curiosity in any of, any of the old stuff, film or even older, just 
check out Photostock. It's uh, it's a very loose meetup style. We meet at this uh, this great little uh, old hotel in Harbor Springs, Michigan, way up north. You're at the top of the mitten in Michigan, and uh, the hotel kind of reminds me of the you remember the 1960s Parent Trap? Yes. Where they're staying where they're staying in that movie. It, it kind of feels like that, like this old oh. kind of camping place. You're in the middle of the woods. Nearest uh, your nearest food is like 15, 20 miles away. Right. Kind of place. Very beautiful up there. Uh, great place to shoot. A lot of nature photographers, but we also have portrait shooters and uh, people come. They have little presentations on what they do special uh, all the special things they do uh, there's a print exchange you get some very very high quality prints uh, we have a lot of guys that come that are exhibiting in like the Ansel Adams gallery like very very wow. <laughs> top end kind of stuff um, everybody's really cool and you can just learn some cool things if you don't have gas you'll come away with gas I was gonna say it sounds a little intimidating for the novice no 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 it's it's wonderful everybody's very cool very welcoming and uh, you're not gonna be like kid go learn some stuff go away and come back next year who, who allowed this man to come <laughs> actually I saw someone shooting with a little simple box camera. Oh, yes. So yeah. And nobody of, stoned him? Her. Her. Yeah, yeah, no. So I was a little relieved. I was always had that same No, there was. there are Polaroid-only shooters there. There were some oh, people really? shooting digital. I mean, it does, as long as you enjoy photography, you'll have someone to talk to. You'll have someone to talk about. So it's, it was just, it's an awesome event. And say if you're someone that enjoys that kind of social situation. I mean, this year, I think we had about... 60, 70 people at the, the climax of it. At any given day, there was about 40 in mm-hmm. and out. And, you know, everybody goes off in their small groups and goes to shoot. It's just a, it's a great that time. Sounds like a really fun time. I, I think... Everybody, everybody in this room needs to be there for 2014. And uh, what's the date next year? Sure. The date is always it's always the third week, uh, the third weekend in in June. Okay. So this this year it was the 20th through the 24th. Bill Schwab, the guy who hosts it, it's he normally does workshops the previous Monday through Wednesday, and then Photostock unofficially kicks off that Thursday, and then it goes all the way through Sunday. Mm. So it's a great time. It, it's actually free to register. Uh, Bill does offer a registration fee. If you pay the fee, you get a really neat little uh, print of his, a nice little silver gelatin print, a little collectible item Ooh. that he'll only give to oh, that's cool. Photostock members. So it's a little incentive, and it helps them out, you know, yeah. because well, you, you're, getting, you're getting free beer, free conference, usually almost... Uh, free lessons on different things while you're there. It's it's just a really cool time. I thought that it would be uh, interesting if uh, all the New Jersey FPP guys like got into like a rickety... Yeah, we haven't been... Like a road been. trip. Like a, we get into <laughs> a Beverly Hillbillies kind of like shack on wheels. The shack. Where did we go camping at one time? Was that Wisconsin? We went to Minnesota, but we stopped in Wisconsin. Yeah, camped. we did stay in Wisconsin. Yes, we did. That was a crazy night. Yes, it was. Ooh. <laughs> at a campsite. Yeah, it was campsite. foggy and it's crazy. Nobody was there. It was kind of crazy. But if myself, <laughs> you, uh, the Dane Johnson, Mister Mark Johnson. Dalzell. Yeah, we'll we'll put it in the books. Get you know, hit the road and go to Photostock. And, like uh, I said, Dane would be there, and he'd be like, "Wow, I've been here my whole life." <laughs> <laughs> and his picture would be like in the lobby of the hotel. <laughs> be the Jack like, Torrance. Yes, he'd be the Jack Torrance of the of the place. Yeah. <laughs> And he just won't come back. He'd walk and people would go, <laughs> Bill, you're back. I'm not Bill, I'm Dean. No, you're Bill. <laughs> you've been here before. <laughs> and what about uh, Donker Dave? If you're on your bike with your buddies, you should uh Yes, we hear rumors that Donker Dave, uh, Dave from the UK, uh, FPP listener, he's been to our uh, meetups over in the UK. He would totally enjoy this. That he's making a bike tour of the US, and we have mixed, mixed information. Uh, one of us thought it was like, Bicycle? No. A scooter? That was unicycle. Unicycle. I'm <laughs> probably just um, 
motorbike. For unicyclists. It's probably motorbike. I just assumed yeah. bicycle. Well, I had assumed it too, but so. I'd spoken with Dave previously. Yeah. And they're, they're, he, he and his buddy are kind of so Harley guys. So when he stops at oh, Finley and say, I send him to the bike shop, if they're not Harley guys, horribly <laughs> disappointed. If they're on like Fuji bikes I, and whatnot, they maybe run Fuji off the road. <laughs> <laughs> Get away, you limey! No, there's <laughs> no, there's those uh, Japanese motorcycles. Oh yes, Kawasaki's. You know, Kawasaki's. Uh, yeah. Now I think they come and they rent bikes here. Do you remember when we were, shoot, we were shooting Psycho Sisters? There was the biker gang scene. Yeah, yes. and there was one I mean, I don't guy. Know the scene. Oh, you do. I do know. You the really scene. do. Yes. This is a movie called Psycho Sisters. Yes, they saved the day. There's a yeah. There's well, while we were shooting it, <laughs> there, get him. There was one guy. <laughs> Guys, arm gets cut up. There was one guy on a Fuji bike. Yeah. On a Japanese bike. Fuji bike. <laughs> the whole group got together, went to Pete, the director, and they're like, this guy can't be in the scene. Yep. Yeah. Th- this bike <coughs> cannot be in the scene with this. It's not, the, it's not the same as their bikes, yeah. And uh, the director had to go talk to it, the guy. Be the like, listen, split? I'm sorry, but. Did he split? Uh, I think it might have been uh, jo- Joseph Anthony. Oh, really? He might have been on the Japanese bike. Yeah, that figures. So I have nothing against Japanese bikes, but I'm just giving some fair warning. Yeah, but Dr. when you're Dave. with a bunch of hardcore Harley dudes, you don't try to bring a Fuji bike in. Right. Hi. Yeah, so. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Photostock 2013, Matt, when you were there, uh, I see that I have some sound files here on tap, on deck, to roll in. Tell, tell us a little bit about what you saw and recorded. Sure. Uh, well, the first one I recorded for, for everybody here was uh, this great woman. She's doing amazing work in uh, large format, ultra-large format, pinhole photography. She makes the cameras herself and just has amazing results. Oh, did I mention their wet plates on top of being ultra-large format How? pinholes? Just no. like in- insanely cool stuff. That's so this is uh, Miss Judy Sherrod. Judy, how are you today? Oh, I'm just as happy as I can be. And Judy, you just got done giving us a fantastic presentation of, uh, of what you do. Can you explain to our listeners just, just the fantastic things you do? I make boxes. <laughs> boxes. They're not caskets. They're cameras. Pinhole cameras. And uh, I brought to Photostock the pinhole cameras that I had in my car when I heard from Bill. And so that amounts to one medium format camera, uh, an 11 by 14, uh, a a round anamorph that is uh, referred to as the Canon, and then two 20 by 20s. Oh my, 20 by 20, it's an ultra-large format. Well, yes, they shoot a 20 by 20 inch wet plate collodion plate, either aluminum or they can shoot glass. Oh my goodness, and, and pinhole, right? So you're combining wet plate and pinhole. Yes, and the experts said it couldn't be done. And uh, arithmetically, maybe it shouldn't be done because you have an emulsion that's like ISO 1, and you put it in a process, a camera that is F313, and you know, theoretically the plate should dry out before you can process it. And those people who know wet plate know that when your plate dries out, the emulsion is no longer light sensitive. So, theoretically, it shouldn't be done, but we didn't listen to the theorists, and we did it. A good thing you didn't, because the images that come out of these are just so unique, and uh, unlike anything I've ever seen before, right now we're sitting uh, just across the walkway from from her cameras, including the newest, debuted here at Photostock 2013, your new 20 by 20 inch camera. Can you talk a little bit about that? Here it is, the world debut. 
we retired the old 20 by 20 because it's produced 50 plates for us and it was you know kind of time to put it out to pasture <laughs> and besides i had some new ideas i wanted more flexibility you know with the old camera we're limited to one pinhole in the middle of the lens board one focal length and so this new one is more modular we have 11 pinholes on the lens board, but you can also turn the camera around and you have a second lens board. Well, all right, so for, for some of our listeners, th- this, can, this can sound a little bit intimidating. Let's go all the way back to square one. What got you, what got you Miss Sherrod, into film photography? Film photography? Um, or, or just analog photography, just the, uh, the non-digital okay, process. Okay, okay. I, I call myself a digital photography refugee <laughs> because I shot digital until it was no longer satisfying to me. You know, you go to someplace like Easter Island or Antarctica or Cambodia with a digital camera, and, and it's impossible to come home with without gorgeous images. <laughs> but And I came home with beautiful things, but it just didn't satisfy me anymore. There was no me in the image. My hand was not in it. It was just holding the shutter down and turning around. So I went back to my roots, which were in film. And, and, and did you jump right to the, the pinhole cameras right away from there? It was, it was a, a gradual um, progression. I went to 35 millimeter, which is where I started in the late 70s, and then went to medium format, and then to medium format batteryless cameras, and then to pinhole. And I knew I'd you know, I had arrived where I needed to be, except I thought, if I, you know, I can build this myself. And so I started trying to do so. Well, I can honestly say the, the results are stunning, and I've actually never seen a, a, a pinhole wet plate image. And you brought not just a small plate, you brought a 20 by 20 inch plate. It's gorgeous. I brought a 20 by 20 and happened to have it on me and I'll uh, have another, at least another 20 by 20 coming in this evening. I collaborate with S. Gail Stevens of uh, Chicago and she will be in this evening speaking tonight and so she's bringing at least one more 20 by 20. We shoot these on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Our dark room is in Pass Christiane, and so we sensitize the 20 by 20s in the dark room, put them in these big cameras, put the camera in the car, drive to the beach, haul the camera out across the sand, put it on the water, shoot it, drag it back to the car, drive back to the dark room, and we got to get all that done while the emulsion is still wet. Oh my goodness, that is that is quite the production. <laughs> I have here in my hands a, a couple of notes on just some other, you know, cameras you're, you're using. The, we just talked about the 20 by 20 pinhole. Yeah, you, you, brought a, you brought a 120 film pinhole with yes. you, just kind of a little homemade guy there. And Yes, it. Uh, I took that camera to Ireland. I was shooting with these people who had, my God, they had, you know, terribly expensive digital cameras and terribly expensive film cameras, and there I am with a camera that, you know, the back falls off, the film advance (laughs) mechanism falls out. I shot a lot of film and came home with, like, only three images. I couldn't be happier with the three that I had. And that's what it's all about. It's all about having fun, and you seem to be, you just light up when you're talking about making your cameras and the whole process behind it. Well, I do. It's so, it's just, it's fun. I have a lot more flexibility with a pinhole camera than I do with my D200. There's no doubt about it. The pinhole camera, it can be as simple as a box 
with a hole in the front, or it can be as complex as your mathematics <laughs> per- permits you to get to be. And this mm-hmm. last one is is a lot. Of, it's a lot of math in it. Yeah, the, uh, it's just incredible the, the results you're getting with these, and uh, it it's definitely has its its own look. And I, I kind of I've always been a believer that. Uh, the person using the camera, their personality really shows in the camera and in the style of their images. And yours just has such a great personality to it. I, I love it. Oh, what do you say about a pine box? <laughs> well, um, I don't even know how to comment because I look at that box and I don't know how it reflects my personality. Well, no, it's just kind of but like it's the, D- the DIY personality, just kind of getting oh, out there working in these cameras, just have this, have this, you know, they're they're used, they're loved, and. <laughs> I buy that. Well, yes, yes, I said that I left digital uh, photography because there was no me in the images. And so, okay, with these cameras, every photograph I take, every photograph I make includes the selection of the wood the design of the camera you know every 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 cut every every piece of sandpaper every hole that's been drilled all the blood that's been shed every image includes all of that at least it does in my brain oh no it definitely does yeah and i that's kind of what i got out of the the presentation is as well as you were supplying some folks here with pinholes you're you're an enabler as well i'm an enabler as well (laughs) Well, I, on my way over, I drove over from Wisconsin, and I stopped to visit with Pinhole Billy. Many people know Pinhole Billy from eBay, and he also supplies the pinholes, I think, to the renters, Eric Renner, and uh, of Pinhole Resource. So it was my first opportunity to meet him, and he, he provides all of my pinholes. He's a wonderful, wonderful gentleman. He's taken good care of me for three or four years now. Very cool. Well, I've had a blast, and I hope to come here again next year. So um, where can folks go to find you on the web if they're they're looking up uh, Miss uh, Miss Judy Sherrod? I collaborate with S. Gale Stevens on these 20 by 20 inch wet plate collodion tintypes, and we have this little kind of blog. Uh, we call ourselves Two Old Women, because when you add our ages together, they come to 111, and we're kind of proud of being, you know, uh, we were very proud of having accomplished what we've accomplished in such a short time. And so this blog is called Two Old Women dot WordPress WordPress.com. That's T W O O L D W O M E N dot WordPress.com. It's just a blog. It's nothing too terribly fancy, but you can find us there. No, it's great. We we love posting blogs. We'll we'll add that to our show notes. You brought some great images today and I, I'm sure what what we find will be uh will be just great. Does she come in with a uh, trailer for all her stuff? No, she How's she haul um, it all? Well, she didn't bring in, uh, I don't think she, she brought some sample plates, but I don't think she brought yeah. stuff to shoot because uh-huh. uh, they, they have like a very specific location uh, they shoot with. The other lady she, that she works with, uh, S. Gail Stevens, I also caught a sound bit from her. Mm-hmm. They kind of do a little bit of collaborative work because oh, uh, interesting. Gail Stevens works exclusively in uh, wet plate collodion and does some other really interesting uh, things with tintypes. She does like photograms with the tintypes, but she does them from and larger right. with like gathered things that she, she finds around. It's just very, hmm. very interesting stuff. Bill always tries to gather people that are doing something completely different. So like we hear wet plate photographer, we think someone that's going to do like portraits or old timey looking mm-hmm. portraits right. and nothing very outside the box. Everybody that presents at Photostock is doing something very outside yeah. the box. So 
it, it, it kind of expands your world in that way. It's almost like mixing mediums. Very much so, yeah. yeah. For folks out there listening who may be just getting into film photography, or if you're a film photographer who is just shooting 35mm, or maybe you're shooting medium format, and you have no knowledge of large format, uh, it seems that Photostock, which is an event that happens once a year, in the middle of the, basically, in, sort of in the middle of the U.S., north. Uh, I would say in... Mid-north, north-mid. North-midwest. <laughs> yeah. This is an opportunity, if you are not a large format photographer, to really, would you say it's a feast for the eyes yeah, to def- see? Definitely. Mm. You, you can see, play with, and in some cases, even, sh- like, if, if you're up there and you have not seen this stuff, I'll let you shoot with my, my camera, and I know a couple other guys that would do right. the same. So it's definitely a, something to check out. It's definitely a destination event. We had people for, we had probably a dozen, dozen and a half folks from Canada this year, people from California, Washington. So like people just really congregate for this. Right. you got to get some of our European listeners to get in on this. That would be awesome. I, yeah, there's, right. there's definitely something for everybody. Matt, what are these other sound files? What do you oh, got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, next up, Judy Sherrod's uh, collaborator, Escale, Miss Escale Stevens. I caught her in an interview, and she, like I said before, she specializes in wet plate collodion photography she talks we go over like her background and that uh, what she's currently working on and it's kind of hard to describe so uh, she'll go over where where you can find her and Judy stuff on the web and just check it out it's really really interesting stuff I'm Matt Marash and I'm sitting here with the lovely and incredibly talented Escale Stevens <laughs> thank you very much for coming out to Photostock, Gail. Oh, you're so very welcome. So, Gail, you had... Uh, I, I can't even explain how cool the process that you brought to us th- this year was. You did an excellent presentation on your work. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, what it is you uh, you do, your art? Wet plate clothing and tintypus. I'm um, kind of known for breaking all the rules because uh, anytime t- somebody tells me I can't do something with wet plate, I'm like, yeah, well, why not? Well, <laughs> yeah, I can't. So I started out doing a whole bunch of pinhole work with it, with a Holga, because people were telling me, oh, you can't use a Holga, and then you can't do pinholes. I said, okay. So I did Holga, and I did pinhole. (laughs) Then I turned a Polaroid back from a Hasselblad into a wet plate back. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, you couldn't use the Polaroid backs anymore, so I just put some glass slides in the back and then cut the plates to two and a half instead of two and a quarter, so it's set in there. And then I got like a Trader Joe pop-up sponge. And use that for the pressure plate. You just get it wet so it's just damp and it holds the plate in place. Excellent idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can just wash them out afterwards. So that worked real well and I used those in classes because I taught the wet plate at uh, where I teach. And um, so I was working on those for a while and I did the series on past um, Christian Mississippi um, after, uh, five years after Katrina called Pass, which is part of the permanent collection of the Ogden Museum of Southern Art. That's um, 99 images, um, all like two and a half inch plates. There's uh, the land, there's 33 images of the water, the gulf, there's 33 in- in- images of the um, land after Katrina, which was just like destroyed in the western part of Pass Christian. And then 33 images of the debris, so I showed that. Then I went on to doing photogram work. I used to do photogram work a lot. And then, um, so I decided to do wet plate photogram work. And through a happy accident, I um, from being lazy, <laughs> one time I wasn't cleaning, uh, filtering out my developer real well, and I was too lazy to make new developers, so I used the old developer. And I got these weird little lines on the sides of plates, and first I was a little upset, and cleaned up and got everything right and I thought you know I kind of like those so then I started figuring out how I got the happy accident and what I could do to control it more so I taught myself how to do that to the point where I could 
use the backgrounds of these plates. So it's like the when you pour the old developer on, it kind of runs down a little rivulet. Then my my um, after I get some of it off, I'll hold it up to my amber safe lights that are too bright for the process really, and I get kind of like a pseudo solarization kind of thing. Hmm. So I started using that to be a narrative. So like if I wanted something to look like windy or blowing, I would direct the developer in a certain way on the plate. Yeah, and, and folks out there listening, you know, trying to imagine this, it's just much easier to go and check out some of uh, Gail's work. Where can we see your work at? It's uh, com. You can see the photogram inspiration, especially in, in your, your new work. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? The, the fern pieces, I used to do a lot of leaf skeleton work, and I was um, I stay at a house in past Christiane that belongs to a friend of mine, Helen Davis, and I was helping, she's in her 80s, so I was helping with her gardening and cleaning up the ferns, and they, all these asparagus ferns, there were some of the dead pieces on there that were just little skeletons of the ferns. They look kind of like, you know, a forest, all these pieces. So I took them all home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all the dead pieces and um, started making little long but two inch wide plates where I overexposed them and um, so that the background would be real silvery. So there'd just be this black from the, the skeleton of the fern and then the I buff up the back so much that it looks like um, people say it looks like a mirror. It does. It looks like a, a little mirror. Some Some lucky devil in the print exchange yesterday got one of your originals yeah. and it, it's just incredible the time and effort it takes to get the look you want and you're intentionally going out of your way to break all the rules but it's still controlled enough that your creative vision shows through and you talked a little bit about it with the with the new work you're, you're a collector a, you're a collector of sorts you you kind of I'm gather your material <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hoarder. so you, you take yeah. a you you just find uh, materials that kind of speak to you and you mm. carry them back to your dark room uh, can you talk a little bit about that and i've always been kind of a hoarder different things like i used to do a lot of metal work and I'd pick up rusted metal and then I started picking up a lot of bird's nests I did a whole series on that and um but when I you know I walk around and I find things and um that's that little piece I wrote that was on that um YouTube piece I you know something will be I'll be attracted to something and I'll start picking things up and it used to be that I would only pick you know like if I saw a dead bird or something it had to be like dried and stuff like that but i'm less squeamish anymore so (laughs) so um um but you know some things will you'll find different objects and sometimes it's plants sometimes it's um just you know anything that's discarded but it's kind of like when you see some of these animals and stuff that have passed on that you just kind of want to give them a rebirth through the art so i'll use them Mm -hmm. for a couple plates and stuff the plate that stuck out to me the most and like i still just like love look i just stare at it every time i was uh icarus the the piece that you uh showed that is wow i mean just just i mean because you saw it in the in the, you know when you saw it and you it picked it up it, and and you, you just made it you just made it Icarus yeah it was it was great it was uh, I was walking the beach in past Christiane um, along the Gulf I saw these what was left of a pair of gall wings and I was just like oh my gosh I mean they were really if you look at them they're not that <laughs> but usually it's the stuff that looks kind of the worse in person that actually makes the better photogram because it's more there's it's more drawing like yeah there's than like solid edges and mm-hmm. things to it yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it has more of a feel of a drawing. So, yeah, that was one of the first 
things I picked up when I started working on the calligraphy series. But it wasn't the first plate I made, but it was one of the first pieces because I decided to divide it up. I also have a background in like fiber and stuff from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and my, and my grandmother was, she tatted, which is like making lace, did em embellishment, embroidery and stuff. So um, I wanted them kind of be somewhat quilt-like and somewhat dissected so they come off um, some of the bigger pieces come off kind of more like tapestry yeah I, I got the quilt feeling my mom's a quilter oh, so yeah? I, um, uh -huh. I, I and I worked in the fabric industry for a while uh -huh. doing sales and I can see I can definitely see the quilt aspect to it because especially uh, like 21st century quilters yeah. they're uh, doing um, they, they call it fiber art now to kind mm -hmm. of, and mm -hmm. they're going outside of the, the frame with things and it's like you've already done that but you're doing it by piecing together five inch is it five or inch, inch. tin types yeah. so uh -huh. and these these aren't small these are pretty large installations, right? Um, yeah, the, the biggest one right now is 81 plates, 9 by 9. The oh, my goodness. But the one that people have seen a lot is uh, Wideness of the Sea. That's 72 plates. So that's 6 high, 12 wide. And then Through My Looking Glass, which is 6 rows of 6. So this, so. Is, this is no uh, you know, small, quick effort in the, in the darkroom. This is, no, you know, this takes, is a long, yeah. long work yeah. in the process. This I is, can only get a few of those done a year. So I, I usually work on multiple things because those are... It takes so long for me to come up with the concept the way I want it and then finding things that go and and then creating the piece. Um, sometimes I do those little ones, the two by two by 100s, which- Bill has for sale, right? The, yeah, in, 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 your, in your book. So yeah. folks, if you, uh, are there any books left, do we know? Yeah. Okay, so folks out there, they are going incredibly fast. Uh, as, you, as you know, Bill Schwab has his own uh, printing company, Northlight Press. He is running the 11 plus one book series. There are these fantastic little um, portfolios of, of work from mm -hmm. uh, photographers that he really looks up to. And the, the interesting thing about the 11 plus one is the plus one is an original work by every artist in the book, a limited edition of 100. And with Escale Stevens' book, you actually get two by two tintype tin an original tintype folks that's just from worth the, it right there from the last piece in the um, book which is calligraphy 11 plus one which i made just for the book and the only place that the piece will exist besides on the web so you can see it on my website and in the book is if everyone who buys a book are together at one point each book has a unique plate in it that's incredible so there's 100 books, there's 100 plates. So. Wow. It's a really, it's a beautiful little book. It is. I had a chance to look at it, and I'm probably going to pick one up because <laughs> do, do you let people, like, pick it, like, which plate they like, you know, they um, can get through? Well, you know, it was like, well, for the ones that I have, I have been letting people okay. pick. And the um, Bill can't do it just too much of a, you know, it's too hard oh, to course. do that. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. When people are ordering online and stuff like that. Oh, I don't so, mean online. I mean for me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, okay. no, yeah. Okay. I have been letting people go through and pick oh, the ones cool. they want are the ones I have left with me. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's, that's great. So, so folks, please please go to Gail's website. Check it out. The work is, like I said, unlike anything you will find with contemporary wet, wet plate printers. And actually, let's you know, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, wet plate is really kind of uh, kind of come back around. There's a lot of folks, you know, getting into the alternative process. Wet plate oh, seems to yeah. be at, at the forefront of that what uh what do you think about the current state of uh it's you know so analog funny. photography you know? 
Well, you know, I think that silver gelatin is going to be the new next alt process. But um, <laughs> the uh, it's so funny about the wet plate. Sometimes I'll talk to people and they, I'll say, well, you know, I'm a wet plate clothing and tintype. And they'll go, wow, you must be the only person. I start laughing because <laughs> it's like I said, oh, you wouldn't believe how many thousands and thousands of people who are doing it just in the United States, not counting Europe and everything there. It's just like taken off and everybody wants to learn it. And it was just like, oh, I don't know, five years ago, you could get like go on eBay or something and get a, you know, a four by five for dirt or even an eight by 10 you could get for like nothing. Oh yeah. Oh now they're way back up there. Forget about the lenses. Oh yeah. The soft focus, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I got like a pet because I do have, you know, I have 11, 14, 8, 10, 5, 7. Um, I have a pet's fall, but um, because I do do some camera work it's not all photogram but you could get those relatively inexpensively now they're just gone through the roof everybody wants it Mm -hmm. and and they want the bigger things you know everybody's doing massive huge plates which is why um judy and i started doing the um nocturne series judy sherrod which who you yeah we already interviewed uh, you you two uh i can i can just tell just from the separate interviews that you two work incredibly well together and and the shots prove it and your personalities just really really add to each other it's great yeah the um yeah we we get along great and uh judy's always with her dog b so we uh she makes the camera and um it's a 20 inch by 20 inch by 10 inch deep and she's just made that new camera which i think you saw oh yeah we had the world debut here on the podcast yeah we were just trying to figure out she just wanted to see do some pinhole work with me with the wet plate so she came down to pass because i live in the suburbs of chicago and she lives in wichita falls so that's kind of like it's a little closer for her than me it's like a 13 hour drive for me but she was like what's the biggest anyone has done in a pinhole, and I think I said, mm, you know, I guess I don't know, twenty inch, twenty by twenty four, something like that. I said, I don't think anybody's done that big. And said, I said, I don't know if anybody's done anything over eleven fourteen in pinhole. So she said, okay, let's do like twenty twenty by twenty four. And I said, well, I like square because I do whole gun house of blood. I said, it looked great. Twenty by twenty. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> okay. So she built the camera. And uh, we started doing it. We've only been doing it a little over a year, and we've just really done. So, I mean, we won awards. We've been in all sorts of shows. We've been invited to be in shows. We've been in all sorts of magazines. And it's just been incredible to be doing some work for such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And doing what you want. The, the, yeah, the yeah. way you want it and your own camera, it's it's great. But, you know, she pushed me because I wasn't, you know, the size didn't matter to me about what I was doing. I was fine with what I was doing. But, but you know, it was like... It was a challenge. It was, you know, I'd never poured a 20-inch plate. I'd poured 11 by 14s, and that wasn't a big deal. But it's actually, it's kind of difficult to pour a 20-inch plate. The funny thing is the first time I poured one of those 20 by 20s, I'd gotten, I usually use the 0.20, uh, 0.0, 0.020 thickness on the on the trophy plate. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go to pour it like normal, and it that big a plate oh, bows a little bow, bit yeah. like that and the clothing starts going on the floor I'm like <laughs> so, so I ended up for that we ended up like I would hold it with two hands and she'd just pour it for me and I moved it around I've since moved to the point two point oh two five, so I don't need it but we still just do it that way because we got used oh, to doing yeah. it that way yeah, so teamwork at its finest yeah so we just do it that way and it's great to see. We and where can there. we, um, I already asked Judy, but where can we find uh, both of your work? Um, well, that's, uh, the Nocturnes is on my website, oh, okay. which is sklstevens.com. There's just the portfolio no- Nocturnes. And then um, on the blog site, twooldwomen.wordpress.com. <laughs> Very cool. She came up with the title, not me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Ms. Stevens, for, for the excellent interview. Thank you well, very much. Well, everybody should come to Photostock. It's just wonderful. Everybody's really, really friendly. Go, oh, I don't want to leave. You know, you made all these new friends mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that. I got all these cards from people I have to write back to and stuff. And, um, yeah, we just, it was, the, and, and then you learn things from different people. It's great to have all these different things. We had a great party, and the, um, <laughs> the um, different talks in the evening were really cool. Um, and I didn't. I found out a lot from Jamie about those cameras. I had no. Format. Oh Insane, man, yeah. those wet plate ones. I had no clue. So I learned a whole bunch of new. Oh, that's stuff. dangerous. You're gonna get the curved wet plate oh, thing yeah. going on. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about <laughs> bending up some plates and doing oh, some man. stuff. But the um, yeah, no. So I got all this new information. Made a whole bunch of new friends. And and Harbor Springs is just beautiful. And hope to see you again next year. I'll be here. Next segment we have is a, fr- a big friend of Bill Schwab's. Uh, this guy does incredible, incredible work. More on the, I would say, uh, nature side of things. He spends a lot of time in uh, Yosemite National Park. He is currently on display at the Ansel Adams Gallery. Mr. Carrick Kuklis. He shoots in large format, ultra large format. Does What's in- ultra large format? Anything larger than 8 by 10 inches. So he has a, a, a panoramic camera you would love. It's a 7 by 17 inches. And uh, he does a really cool alternative process called gum over platinum. So What is it? Gum over platinum. So like Donker Dave's uh, platinum prints uh-huh. that he's been posting lately. You take a platinum print. And then on top of that, you put a layer of pigmented gum arabic, also known as gum bichromate, and you place that over the platinum palladium so it's like a you give a color tone to the platinum palladium. But you have to contact print something twice, and it just makes this, this gorgeous pictorial kind of image. And uh, But not like a full spectrum color. Like No, well, the cool thing about gum is you can put multiple layers on. So you can actually do multiple layers of gum to give it the full color, or you just to give it a, like a sepia kind of tone. And his have like a warm tone to them. They're incredible. And if you go to Photostock, you'll be able to see these images in person, which makes 110% difference. Yeah. You know? Talking about them is, is one thing, but yeah. So it's this just a, segment. This segment, my little talk with uh, Carrot Kuklis, what he's up to right now, uh, talking a little bit about his uh, gum over platinum work, mm-hmm. where you can find his work, and a little bit about diving into uh, some other alternative processes like uh, photogravure. I'm sitting here with world-renowned uh, alternative process photographer, Carrick Kuklis. Carrick, thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. It's fun to be here. So, Carrick, uh, for, for the listeners out there, you're a jack-of-all-trades and a, a master of all from what I've seen so far this weekend. Can you explain to our listeners what it is you do with, uh, with large format and uh, yeah, what you showed us this weekend? Sure, yeah. Well, I've, I've been doing large format, I don't know, 20-plus years now. And I don't know, I'd say about 1989, 1990, I started uh, alternative process printing with platinum palladium. Oh, wow, so way before the Internet. <laughs> way before the Internet, yeah. That's that's back when you sort of had to figure stuff out. There wasn't a lot of uh, nothing written and, you know, just, just kind of there were a lot more failures and su- successes for a long time. I've just always liked making stuff by hand and uh, just, just love the, the whole process of, of working kind of from scratch to do photography. About 2000, I started working with gum bichromate. And putting gum bichromate actually on top of the platinum print, so I make these multiple printings to uh, to add both color and density, and and, uh, and just to make kind of a richer print and just more flexibility to the the final print. Okay, so for the folks out there, just in case platinum palladium or gum was was not hard enough, <laughs> we have the same negative printed twice in, in perfect registration yeah. with two different processes to add to the the feeling of the print. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes three or four times. I mean, they're always starting with platinum palladium, 
and then one, two, sometimes three layers of gum, depending on the effect that I'm looking for and whatnot. So it's it's a little bit labor intensive, but you, you kind of develop uh, techniques to streamline the process, and um, it's it's a lot of fun. Wow. So uh, okay, what what is it about the process that keeps you coming back to it? I mean, because this is this is no short, quick thing. This isn't silver printing. This isn't shooting it out on an inkjet. You know, there's there's quite a bit of work involved. Well, it's actually it's actually gotten a lot easier um, in in recent years using digital negatives. Um, okay, so you use digital negatives? I do, yeah, I, I still shoot. I do film. I shoot film medium format most of the time now, and then I make digital negatives. And and the beauty there is it it um, streamlines what you can do in the darkroom. Takes a little bit to get everything calibrated, make the negatives to the tonal range and everything that you need. But once you're calibrated most of your images will print exactly the same in the darkroom. So there's a lot of waste, a lot of waste of materials or time once you're actually making the prints. We have, we have a lot of listeners that are you know, kind of hybrid shooters. Either they shoot yeah. film and scan it and output it. And uh, would you say the number of folks coming to you for, you know, for workshops, they, they're looking toward that hybrid workflow or they're all, all traditional or all digital? Or? Oh, these days pretty much everybody's hybrid. I, I get a few people that still come with... You know, large format, 4x5 or 8x10 negs and print those. But probably 90% of the students I have now are um, printing from digital negatives. And one of the best things about digital negatives, it's opened these processes up to so many more people that would never shoot a big camera. Just it doesn't suit their style. They can't afford it, whatever. Now you can use everything from an iPhone to anything you can get image in the computer. You can get into a digital negative and make a beautiful print in the darkroom. And I'm actually getting a lot of younger people who have grown up digitally. And I'm one of them, yeah. There you yeah. go. <laughs> and, and they're now interested in the darkroom because it's, it's new and different for them. Um, but they can use the equipment they have to make their images. And most of them have a computer. Most of them have a printer. And it allows them to get into the darkroom and make prints by hand. So it's, it's growing. I mean, the, the whole thing is growing because of digital. So, you know, hybrid is, is the present and the future. Oh, that, that, that's excellent. So could you tell us a little bit about your background with Bill and everything? Sure, yeah. Bill and I, uh, <laughs> we've had websites for a long, long time. Um, I, I think my first website was on AOL in like 1996. Nice. <laughs> and, and Bill was already out there. So that's back when you could do a search for fine art photographer and get a half a dozen hits instead of, you know, 500 million hits. So Oh, that's, that's insane to imagine. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're like, you know, the old farts on the Internet when it comes to fine art photography. <laughs> so Bill and I knew each other for years just communicating through the internet before we actually ever met and then he came out um, I want to say three or four years ago to learn wet plate collodion for me and then once we finally met face to face it's like you know we've kind of been brothers ever since and and same thing with the other people the the crew you're talking about (laughs) play Harmon, for instance Um, oh yes yeah yeah who who did a photogravure workshop this week he came out it was 2000 2001 did a workshop with me and then he also got to know bill and then there's david eisenlord yep Ike. yeah I, I won one of ike's prints last year oh, so that and that's what when i saw that i was like oh i gotta step it up <laughs> yeah so i in a way i've infected some of these people with these processes you know clay was already a, a fantastic platinum printer he wanted to learn the gum part so i got him going on that and now he's off in a photogravure thing and he gave me a little tutorial on that yesterday so now i'm uh I'm in the market for a press. <laughs> so uh, I'd convinced myself several years ago that I was done with processes. I've got wet plate. I have platinum. I have gum. That was enough. But now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hooked on the, uh, the look of the photogravure. So I think that's the one. You, you've got a bit of gas going. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, not, not so much equipment as, as technique the and tech- process. Okay. Ultimately, it's all about what I've, I'm holding my hands at the end. I just I love the prints. You know, and whatever it takes to get there, so much the better. And, and a lot of what I've kind of developed over the years is ways to make it 
more efficient in the darkroom. So I, I spend less time making each print so I can do the next one. Mm -hmm. um, and again, here's, here's another good example with digital negatives. If I want to make a big print, I start with a small one, I get everything set the way I want, make a small negative, make the print, looks the way I want, just go back in the computer, print out a bigger one, the darkroom work is exactly the same, the exposure is the same, every, everything's the same. So um, it just it makes for a really efficient way to work. So it's a lot easier than silver printing. I bet I spend less time making a print than somebody who's doing a lot of test strips and takes five or six or seven prints to get to the final one. So for that, digital's been great. Yeah, it's and, and folks, just please go to Carrick's website and, and check out the stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll give you links to that in the show notes, and he'll, he'll say these in a sec. But seeing the volume of, of work <laughs> that, you, that you brought with you, it's, uh, it's stunning. And, and just really encouraging for someone that, like myself, I'm tr dabbling at best in alternative process because it, it is time consuming to just get the technique down to the point where you you know what you're going to get before you get it and i think you're you know saying to our listeners the the digital negatives they're just another way of getting you there faster so you can just get that volume of work and get a body of work out right and and you know move on to the next one you know i it, it's not that i'm looking for shortcuts i'm just looking for a quick, efficient way to get there. Mm -hmm. and, and materials is an issue, too. I mean, the, the cost of the precious metals, platinum and palladium, has just skyrocketed in recent years. So it's, it's worth it to, you know, to, to try to find ways to minim minimize waste in the darkroom, both time and materials-wise. Okay. And for, uh, for the listeners out there that just like to uh, hear a little bit about, you know, folks, what, what their tendencies are, do you have a, a favorite film or anything, just like favorite format or anything you like to shoot, combination? Th these days, uh, with the medium format, I'm mostly shooting uh, T-Max 100 and 400. Um, for sheet film, which I'm going to start shooting again now, I haven't shot sheet film in quite a while. And I've just, um, as a side note, I've just retrieved a, a 7x17 camera that was stolen from me 15 years ago. And so... Oh, that has to be a story. <laughs> that that it, It's a, a very long and involved story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, and I still have plenty of 7x17 film. And uh, for that format and sheet film, I, I always love FP4. That would be my favorite. Okay. I like the T-Max films for the smaller negs because I'm scanning them and they're, they're easier to scan and um, they make beautiful digital neck so and i shoot digital as well i have a 5d2 so some oh, yeah you were, you were rocking that last night yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and um, you know same thing in a way it doesn't matter how the image gets into the computer with a digital negative you can you can make a print so so i'm not i'm not anti anything i'm i'm pro use whatever works yeah, you seem to embrace it and just combine it in a way that just adds to your work it, it's great for the listeners out there have, that have never been to photostock why should they come to photostock <laughs> well this this is my second time i was here four years ago and uh had a blast uh taught a workshop last time just sort of haven't been able to fit in the schedule the last couple of years and it, it's mainly because for one thing where i live i don't have other people that sort of do what I do, so you don't get that sort of face-to-face -face feedback and see a lot of work. And it's just hanging out with people that like to do what you do and um, sit around and talk and have a few drinks and sing songs and look at prints. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just been a blast. A lot of good people come here, and um, it's a beautiful spot. You know, kudos to, to Bill for putting this whole thing together and, and, you know, making it happen for people. Thank you very much, Carrick, for coming coming our, uh, just up here at giving a great interview, showing us mind-blowingly beautiful prints. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I hope to see you again next year. I hope so, too. It was, it's been fun. So our last segment is just a little wrap-up with uh, with the man himself, Bill Schwab. Well, we talk about the future of Photostock. I believe he announces the 2014 dates. And we just talk about, you know, what a great year Photostock 2013 was. Um, there's nobody that can sum it up better than Bill. This year we opened up his, his workshop facility that we did the Kickstarter for in March. Oh, it wow. got funded. It was really cool. We did a group picture in front of it. And we just kind of talk about, you know, what a great time it was. 
Hi there. Th- thank you, Bill. This is a overly successful Photostock 2013. What, what? How many years is this? Is this seven? This is a seventh year. Yeah. It was wow. 2006, and so we've made it through seven of them now. This is amazing. And this year we had something just over the top. We uh, we talked about your Kickstarter earlier in the year, and uh, we got to see the debut of the new workshop facility. Yeah, it was fantastic to have everybody there. I'm so glad that we were able to finish in time. You, you already had a workshop there. We had a workshop there. We we actually they were turning on the power ten minutes before the workshop started. So that's how how close we cut it this year. But yeah, the workshop was in photogravure and wasn't terribly equipment intensive, so we were able to pull off the first workshop under the roof. So from uh, from within six months' time, we raised the money, we built the building, and we had the first workshop. Yeah, that, that, now folks, that's something to really sink into your mind. This is a Kickstarter project, the projects that sometimes linger on two, three years, and nothing happens. Bill put this together. When he asked for money, it, he's serious, and yeah. we, we got this thing up, running, yeah. and... Yeah, ducks in a row to begin with, and we really, uh, you know, I didn't want it to be a big public failure, and I wanted to be able to uh, pull it off, just like I said, and wow, I can't believe we did it, and I'm so happy we did. What's uh, what's next for Photostock, since, you know, you are the, well, the architect? We've already set it up for next year. The dates are for uh, June 19th to the 22nd next year, and there will be a workshop up at the workshop uh, building prior to it, probably starting, I believe, on the 16th, you know, but stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm talking with Kara Kuklis and Gail Stevens, who is a wonderful presenter this year uh, and the most recent uh, photographer that I published on the uh, Northlight Press, and she's talking about coming up to do a wet plate shop in her special way. I mean, she's she does very special way. Yeah, yeah. She does wet plate like nobody else I know, and so probably something like that. But you know, the workshop building, uh, I'm going to be finishing the interior now over the next few weeks. And hope to have everything completely done by the end of the year as far as the dark rooms and that inside. And so next year I plan to start a full schedule of workshops up there as well. The the biggest benefit is it's all in the lovely comfort of your backyard. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. yeah. It's a big backyard, but it's nice to have it's nice to have it so close I can walk to work. You know, I mean if you were here for the beginning one, you know, when we just sat around drinking beer in the woods and talking about <laughs> photographs and people started to bring them and every year the bar gets raised higher and I'm so pleased and blown away by the mm-hmm. things that people are doing and and the other thing about it is this this is wide and varied processes and I like to it was really great this year to have Gene Wells and to have Vicki Richardson Reed and to have um, Gail Stevens as presenters because they you know they bring something completely different than any of us have really been doing in the past and uh, you know with uh, Vicky and her encaustics and things I told her you know like a few years ago when we started the wet plate now it's just exploded here I said everybody's going to be showing up with heat guns next year and beeswax yeah. <laughs> to melt on, on things but yeah it's great I really love the fact that we're able to all get together and we're able to open our eyes to different kinds of things and it adds to people's work and it grows and every year the work just gets better and better well great um, Bill just for our listeners again where can we find uh, some of your work find out more about Photostock and uh, Northlight Press well you can go uh, northlightpress.com is the, is the public site and that's where we we retail the books out of there um, Northlight workshops is where you can find out all the information about the different tours that I run I'll be doing a tour in September and then I've got another one next March going to Faroe Islands and one to Iceland and then we'll be setting up the schedule next year for here so Northlight workshops is the best place to go okay. and if you want to see some of my work billschwab.com it's real simple just check it out now you can discover the colors of Coda color gold a new film that captures natural color with new generation technology. Giving more accurate, more realistic colors than you've ever seen before. A film that brings color to life and life to color. So when you've a moment to remember, 
take it easy and discover the colors of Kodakolor Gold. Hey guys. Hey, what's going on, hey, Mike? Hey. You know, uh, Leslie, uh, you came up with this word, and I think it's true. The FPP is somewhat of a film boutique these days. It is a boutique, otherwise known <laughs> as a boutique in Ohio. <laughs> and it kind of just happened by chance. I started getting very interested in unusual 35mm film, film that's not available in cartridges, film that's only available on bulk, big reels, which there is sort of like, a, you know, there's a buzz on the internet, there's a circle on the internet of uh, men and women who roll their own film. I have to tell you, like me, most people don't. Till now. Well, till... <laughs> I mean, most people don't. I did, and I was scared of the whole process. Mm. But I've conquered that. I've mastered the art of rolling film into cartridges. <laughs> so you can play them in your, <laughs> your 35-millimeter camera. Yeah. You can feed your camera. It's yeah, you can feed your camera. And that opens up a whole new world because most of the bulk loading is going on in little film communities like apug.org. People are talking about it, but they're not really offered. No one's really carrying it and offering it. On a wider scale. Right. Yeah. So if you do not have the time, you know, or interest in rolling your own, the Film Photography Podcast Store, which is filmphotographystore.com and 35mm, if you click on 35mm, you'll see an unusual variety of films that we are hand rolling, and it's pretty cool. There are some amazing stocks out there for film stock. Stocks that will, like, (sighs) blow your mind, like, with (laughs) ISOs of, like, 0.06. That's uh, uh, Kodak Rapid Copy Film. Insane. 0.06. Insane. Something like the Fuji It, which is IT-N. It's a copy, another copy film. It's C41. I believe it has an ISO of 20. I think it's unique that you can get black and white film that's green. Oh, the black and white and black film, and white film green. that's red. Yeah, some, some of the films have an unusual U to them. Some are very thin, uh, like the Polypan F. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a silky smooth, dreamy mm, black and white film from Germany. And use when you it and get it, a glow. Yeah, you get, get your glow on. You do. So if you're shooting a subject or a building and there's a, a good key light, you'll get like a glow. Elsie's all about the glow. I am all about the oh, glow. Oh, you are? Oh, I'm original HIE girl. Oh, right. All right. And as of late, the newest is, of course, uh, exploring the Eastman Kodak motion picture line of films. Mm-hmm. Like the Eastman Double X. Yeah. Which is in our shop as FPP XX. Extra bold. And this is an awesome film because it's rich and it's bold. Large tonal range. Large tonal range. Yeah. Tonal range. Mm-hmm. It's nice uh, and silvery. Yeah. 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 Processing is uh, standard. It is. Hey! hey! Look at John. Look at John. Yeah, we're talking about the FPP online store, Film Boticue. Yeah. Huh? So back to that double X. I got you some, the double X. Some somebody orders double X. Do you include that little yes, processing yes. guide sheet? Hey, 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 now, go. hey, settle. Oh, whoa. <laughs> we're on the air. Who's the question? Who's the question? Do you see the big red sign on air? <laughs> I got you. The question bagel. was when you ordered double X. Hey. Hey. Does it come with that nice little processing uh, start sheet? Does. That's excellent. Excellent. Yeah. We send a start sheet out with a double X. It has information from um, uh, the... Raypack. Uh, Nick Raypack. Nick Raypack was mm-hmm. kind enough to send over some information. And what's uh, that website? Is it doublex.com? That fancy? <laughs> I don't know. You should just double type X. that right in. Yeah, just type <laughs> that right in and see what happens. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My browser raised in here. Type in Eastman... <laughs> 
Double X. What is the fan site that comes up? Hey, John. Hi. What are we talking about? Uh, FPP store. Oh. The fan group double on X, Flickr? FPP? No, it's like a site. It's own site. Oh, projectdoublex.org. Ooh, projectdoublex.org. Project hyphen double hyphen X dot org. If you, double hyphen. If you Google yeah. Eastman double X 5222, oh. you will get the site. This is a very, it's, it's a very elaborate Yes. The Google. It's a very well His- thought history out. History about developing data formulas, examples, resources, suppliers. Oh, wait. Are we on the suppliers list now? I don't know if we're on the suppliers list yet. Son of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're on the air. Getting a little saucy. <laughs> this is one of the exciting films in the uh, hand-rolled FPP film, Boutique. What are you saying, Boutique? What does that mean? Boutique. Boutique. Oh. That's what uh, Track used to call a record store. Like, let's go down to... Because it was so called like record boutique. He's like, let's oh, go really? down to the boat queue. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Tracky yeah. all the way. But uh, folks out there <coughs> listening, we ship internationally. I would love to ship you some, some fresh, unusual film uh, for you to try in your 35mm camera. Mm-hmm. We're here to support you and help you out. So if you have any questions about it, we're going to do our best. I'm stumbling through it myself. To process, you know, process the black and white, mm. and uh, the color we could send right over to our good friends at thedarkroom.com. Thanks, and filmphotographystore.com. One good time deserves another. And you can double the fun of any day's outing. With a brownie camera by Kodak. This brownie Starmite camera, for example, is the handiest flash camera Kodak ever made. And it lets you get good pictures the first time, with no instruction at all. (laughs) No instruction at all. You can count on clear, bright snapshots in black and white or color. Even color slides you can show as big as life. The Starmite camera with built-in flash holder costs less than $12. Other brownie cameras cost less than $7. Remember, only a brownie camera gives you so much pleasure at so low a cost. Hey, we're back. I can walk to this place, John. What? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Hey, we're back. We're going to be doing a large format update. You're Excellent. Real quick. Uh, I want to thank Matt for doing the uh, photo stock 2013. Yeah. Well done. And well done. Uh, real oh, quick, thanks, Matt, guys. who I know FPP... Correspondent uh, Alex Lauks was there. What FPPers were there? Oh gosh, and I'm on the spot. There, there's a ton of FPPers that show up. We had um, FPPer Mark O'Brien was there, so we had Alex there. Uh, Johnny Bryan came oh. to his very first photo stock. Really? He, had, he had to cut out a little bit early on Saturday, but from what he was saying, he had a great time. The lines are so blurred. I spend so much time with uh, with photo stock folks because a lot of them are local in the Michigan, Ohio area. The lines are getting blurred because I don't know who's originally an FPPer or who I've converted to FPP. Wow. Thanks to Photostock, you know, it's there's just tons of folks. Um, my good friends, uh, Dan and Silka Siebold, we grabbed interviews with them uh, two, I think, two years ago. They're, they've converted a whole uh, a whole community college of no students kidding. over to FPP. Right. We have a lot of cameras and a lot of film going out that way. I know, Ooh. Mike, you just sent out a huge order of uh, four by five that way. We're converting a lot of folks. The, the number one uh, request this year, Mike, was uh, shirts. Was that right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Every, my Gotta stickers on were it. gone day one. Wow. Oh, my God. We'll have to get a boatload next time. Uh, Matt is sitting here with his Film Is Not Dead shirt, which is great. Yeah, you know, I, I but try But I'd rather to see him in an FPP shirt. Me too. 
I can't tell you how many people um, <clears throat> ask me, what's Portra when I wear that Be Calm shoe mm-hmm. Portra? They're like, what's Portra? It's a great like way to start film. a conversation. Yeah. People are like, oh, they still make film? Seriously, people yeah. Oh, yeah. ask me that Absolutely. question. That's I've converted two people I'm having, like, to film. I'm having a of joy. Um, lastly, brought in... Okay, let's talk about pretzels instead of no, film. We, yeah, we have to. These are fantastic. Mm. Deets Brothers... 400 West Main Cross Street. Is that in Finley? Yes, it Finley, is. Finley, Ohio. Well, downtown. Downtown Finley, Ohio. This is yeah, quite amazing. a treat. Those are only, they're only two blocks from the Finley Inn, so when everybody stays there for the next meetup, they're going to get slammed. This is Dietz Brothers Milk White and Dark Covered Chocolate Pretzels. You know, it's really awesome. Uh, Johnny Bryan, I consider him an FPP super contributor. Oh, my gosh, yes. He sends stuff. He sends uh, cash contributions to the FPP. Oh I want to thank Johnny very much. And to all the FPP listeners who have sent us contributions on filmphotographyproject.com, our website. There's a button upper right for donate if you have film you're not using. And now that we're hand-rolling film, if you have bricks of rolls of film, uh, like uh, FPP listener John Milliker, he oh. had all the IT-N Fujifilm. Yes. He had like 20 rolls, and now, and now he's doing large format, so he doesn't want it anymore. Oh if you have a lot of stuff you're not using, the FPP will be m- more than happy to you know h- help the cause. And we just got a text from William Hellfire. William from the FPP store is going to stop by. Uh, real quick, here's a letter uh, from our good friend Brian Wrightout. He says... Please find and close 10 rolls of Advantix APS film. Oh, wow. 10 rolls of Agfa, Agfa Star APS film. Wow. And for your and for the enjoyment of the FPP crew, a selection of Mr. Brown coffees. Oh, there we go. Now <laughs> where, where are now they? The attention's here. In the refrigerator. Oh. Uh, I, I could say it, but Matt says it best because you actually coined the phrase. Uh, Matt, maybe you could tell us, you could say on the mic, Mr. Brown is back in town. <laughs> a little sound bite. Mr. Brown is back in town. There you go. Where'd he go? Here locally in Jersey. I can't, can't find, him. find him. Can't the Asian it. food marts in Ohio, gone. Yeah, and really? the food mart in Ohio, gone. That's where we first discovered it back in 2011. Brian says, I think I started listening to the show in the second year and went back through all of the shows in the catalog. Now we're listening to each show as soon as they become available. You all do a great job. I particularly like the historical perspective Leslie brings hmm. as I was most active... Uh. I was most <laughs> I was most active in photography 30 years ago. Keep the shows coming. Brian right out. He is Mr. BMR on Flickr. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you know who he is? Yeah, just, start, just lead off with the Flickr name, Mike. Okay, very good. Brian, I want to thank you very much. You really did save the day, and right now I'm shaking up. That You've got your APS uh, camera, right? You're pushing APS, right? <sighs> Do I have my APX, APS yeah. camera? I have You're the a- APS man. I have... Canon EOS APS SLR. My God. With with forty millimeter pancake lens. Yes, there he goes. We got him, folks. He got the brown. Salute. You gonna down some Mr. Brown? Now there's different kinds. Like there's not just like the brown. There's other kinds. Brian right out to not just send like oh here are seven cans of Mr. Brown. No, he sent a cross section of the different types of Mr. Brown. That you never knew existed uh, until yeah. this day. This is Blue Mountain Blend. Ooh. What do you have, Leslie? Mine's just straight up ice. That, that's that's regular. that's original brown. Yeah. yeah. This is original brown. <laughs> where, where does it say it's made in? Taiwan. What? Taiwan. Mr. Brown is Mr. Wait, Fuchs- wait, it's Taiwan. Product of Taiwan. It's possible the water's brown before they, <laughs> they copy it. Oh, right. What's that, Matt? I have a buddy in Taiwan. I never thought to ask him. 
Oh, that's my buddy oh, Seal. Cool. Oh, hey, yeah. we can get a refund get a on these if we return the, the cans to Taiwan. <laughs> my mom works. Can get us like Mr. Exactly. Maybe your buddy can get us like Mr. Brown signage because they have cafes. Yeah, huh? yeah, well, no, they have. They probably have a machine for them too. Oh my gosh, I never thought of this. Number. Revelation. Oh, it's an eight hundred number. You got it. We're gonna have direct Mr. delivery. Mrs. Mr. Brown. Yeah. Yes. We'll just, we'll just leave the show with with the recording that they give you, at the, <laughs> yes. screaming at you. Hey, I just want a big shout out to Rosemary Hawkins. She's been uh, a, a great FPP supporter. I hope Rosemary is still listening. Uh, she's in New York, and she sent a bunch of stuff to us last year, uh, and one of which a, a uh, <clears throat> Minolta. MG1 mm. uh, is being donated to a student in Ohio. Yes. She Look might actually recognize it better as an XG1. Oh, is that what I say? Yeah, you said MG1. <coughs> oh. I think you drive those. <laughs> We're going to move right along. We may be interrupted by William from the FPP store, it's all right. it's all good. who kindly yes. is going to get John some decaf. Yes, thank you. Why do you need some decaf? Why do you need decaf? Are you fidgety, John? I need hot liquid. It, you know what? I don't drink... <laughs> I don't drink caffeinated products anymore Why? because my heart can't handle it. Okay. But I've been so accustomed to having coffee in the morning that I like the ritual of coffee. Your cardiologist you know, advised against it? No, my better sense is advised against it. <laughs> you starting to smack the kids around? No. <laughs> so he I, doesn't. I, no. So he doesn't, yeah. This is way before I had kids. I haven't I haven't had the... the fact, no. <laughs> oh. Uh, Hey! It's Billiam. Hey, Bill. Williams from the FPP store, and uh, when people order stuff, you answer their emails. Yes. That's uh, com. Check it out. Here's Matt Marash with our large format update. Very excited to hear. I don't. Crazy. I don't. Uh, I don't talk about gas that that often, but I do have it. There is such thing as large format gas. Uh, um, it's probably the worst. Probably well, you're a little pesty today, John. Porter 160. And here, here's uh, a roll of uh, 35 millimeter for sprockets. 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 Go ahead. Uh, let's take it from the top since okay. you're interrupted yeah, yeah, yeah. by John's rudeness. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he needs some decaf. So well, as you see behind me, guys, yes, the large format gas has has struck finally. Beautiful, and uh, got one of those things. It's a Tachata eight by ten. Oh my goodness! It's it's basically like in the eight by ten version of your Wista. Okay, B- same you interwebs. <laughs> really? Same, yeah. The eBay's, yeah. It was a buy it now thing. Really. So the weird thing about large format is like the price, the market has gone up again. Like things are getting pricier and pricier. But sometimes people don't like know the market's gone up. Right. So you find something and it's just that like this insane price. So you got to call someone. And you're like, all right, let's our, do this. Our prices like ebb and flow. Like strangely, some months not much going on. You can get something fairly inexpensive. Then all of a sudden. Something yes. peaks. Yeah, usually it's uh, before Christmas time is when like everyone's trying to unload, try to make a couple bucks, buy you know buy the kids a present kind of thing. And then with the uh, with the large <laughs> format, a large format camera. <laughs> no, no, no. They sell their large formats. So they can afford. Oh, they I can see. afford Christmas because people buy too much stuff for their kids. Uh, Lar- with large format, sometimes you get these insane deals like around summertime, and that's when I got this guy was uh, back in July. I've right. been shooting with it a little bit now, and I'm going to have a YouTube video up here pretty soon oh. uh, explaining the difference between the monorail and the field camera because they're two very different mentalities, and I spent the, ooh, I spent the longest time try- <laughs> trying to haul around a 36-pound monorail camera 
plus tripod plus film in the field and like it just wasn't working so um this I, you, this is lighter you could fold it up it folds up into a little briefcase size it fits in that backpack i have right. that i usually you know i was carrying around new york and everything and i'm actually now doing the one a day again because i have this okay. so uh, still using the Fuji X-ray film, which we can s- still buy on the filmphotographystore.com right. site. It's going to 8x10 film. Yep. And uh, I'm using the Fuji Green because it's my it's the most versatile. You right. can use it for portraits, use it for outdoors. Um, the blue is nice because it has that, that dry plate, wet plate look. But I like the green, and it's to the point now where it's just like, I know I'm going to get something good. There's no more guessing. It's mm-hmm. just I'm getting out there, working with the camera. And uh, at this point, I've already gone through about 300 sheets of film this year. Eight, eight by ten. I mean, I've probably gone done less than ten rolls of film in 35 and 120. Just everything's been eight by ten this year. So. Are you mostly shooting green X-ray film? A majority of that film I've shot this year was that green, just because it's like it kind of gets it out of your system. Like you see a shot and right. you're like, I don't know if I want to put a five dollar sheet of film on this. Right. You put you put the X-ray film through and you take two right. or three shots. Yeah. Of course, for folks listening, we're talking about sheets of film. Sheets. Eight by ten, so it's like taking a piece of paper that sized. You put it into a film holder. Yes. And then you slide the holder into the back of the camera. And expose. Yep. And you expose it. Mm-hmm. And didn't you have some slices of that? Uh, did you have Fuji Provia that we got at the PDN? Or is that gone? Um, that that was is long gone, but I bought some more Provia. And I also, uh, I went back through my, my Flickr archive because uh, I was like, what, what do I like the most of? You know, I wanted to buy some color film. Right. I wanted to get it out of my system this year. I still haven't. I still have a bunch of color to go. But I found that, like, I would have thought my favorite film would have been Portrait. I looked in all my favorites, and my favorite film actually tends to be... Ectochrome. I really like the look of Ectochrome. Ectochrome. So I bought a hundred sheets. Sheets of Ectochrome eight by ten from a private owner in China. He was just he had he had it in his fridge. He was unloading it. It was some of the last batch. So, and it was a great deal. And I'm just going to try to shoot it while it still looks good. I think you seemed excited because, as you know, I uh, procured. Is that a good word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) I procured the last batch of 4x5 Ektachrome. It's good stuff. Right off the shelf from Eastman Kodak. Wow. It's in the FPP store. And it is good stuff. It's very good stuff. And it has just this this neat look. I actually kind of lo- like it a little bit underexposed. And you get that little bit of blue yeah. in there. But the color, the color palette is just beautiful. I love it. Wow. I, I tested my first box of it already. And I'm going to be doing headshots of everybody here today with that ectochrome. And, I, yeah, the look is just great. I send everything out to the darkroom. Phil does a magnificent job with this the sheet, is, uh, with sheet uh, film. Our friend Phil, the darkroom.com. Yeah, they, they do a great job. They, they soup that Provia. It's gorgeous. That's so, excellent. Yeah. That's excellent. Now, the difference between a 4x5 large format camera and an 8x10, because I'm looking bo- at that, is just the size. It's just a bigger box, yeah. It, you know, if I had started on 4x5, I, of course I would have, like, stayed before. Anybody who's starting out, stick with 4x5. There's more options, more lenses, more everything, more film. For 8x10, it's just bigger. Um, it, sometimes, for some people, it doesn't shoot, uh, fit their shooting style. So mm-hmm. you know, move, move bigger if you want. There's nothing right. different. It's just... Well, more from expensive. a f- cost perspective, insanely more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I would h- highly recommend. Uh, you know, if you're going to start large format, the most logical is four by five. Yeah, but once you, you know, if you attend photo stock and you happen to look through someone's ground glass and it's larger than four by five, uh, good luck, sir. It's going to be it's going to be a rough road ahead. Leslie, you're rocking a few <laughs> formats over there at the Mecca, right? I am a four few. by five, five by seven, five by seven, eight by, by ten. ten, eight by ten, and down. 
I and wanna, down. I want to ask a question. Okay, John. <laughs> so when you have a very limited amount of photos you can take, in this instance, 100 sheets, mm-hmm. how do you go about choosing your shots? How do you figure, like, oh, I'm definitely going to waste a sheet on this? I was trying, I, me and Lauren were talking about this the other day. It's like when I walk into a room or walk into anything anymore, I only see the way that it looks with a certain lens <laughs> through that camera. Like so you're like the Terminator. You walk in a room and your eye set is going... Yeah, I'm just scanning for it, yeah. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Shot. But you know, sometimes you set the whole darn thing up, and then you put the film holder no. in, or you check it the very end, yeah. and, and you don't like it. You don't like it. You just but, tear it down. But uh, that nope, I don't so tear it down have anymore. The fortitude to tear it down. What's that? You you would have the fortitude to tear Absolutely. it down after you set it all up because sure. you don't want to waste a shot. I don't yeah. tear it down anymore because I have X-ray film, and I'll just put two sheets X-ray film through it because those are thirty cents a piece. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. And I'll that For and eight I'll eight by eleven. Eight by ten. Yeah. Eight by ten. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's good exercise to get out there with the big camera hauling that around. And I, I love doing the one a day because it forces me to find images where I wouldn't normally find them. I've got a, a local place. Well, not local. It's like a half hour from my house. It's like this uh, hippie rock garden conclave. It's called the Temple of Tolerance. Leslie's been there. Oh. She knows. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's amazing. Uh, it's interesting. And I have been tolerated at the Temple you have, of you've Tolerance. Been, you've been very tolerated. Uh-huh. The guy that owns it, it's... Like it's just this go really in there and, and act annoying, like. Oh, you no, you like, can't. So there's no, there's no way to be. We annoying totally there. tolerate you, my friend. Yes, my that's son. exactly it's it. Very li- you it's are very totally cool. tolerated. Yeah. You are accepted. And I've been shooting a lot there. It's just a, a really wild place. Yeah. Good John's over there. Uh, sadly, he's working with a camera that we're not talking about this show. What show? But the Yashica 44, which is a 127 camera, we're going to be talking Ooh, he about. He loves in that camera. Shows. Yeah. Do you like this camera? Talk about it again in, in, on future shows, but I talked John out of doing the mod or removing a pin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that. Okay. Anyhow, we'll be right back right after this quick message. You don't say affirmative or some shit like that. You say, no problemo. And if someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. And if you want to shine them on it, hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. This is FPP's Man on the Street, coming to you not from the streets of New York, but from the trees of Oregon. This is Hunter White. I'm here at Blue Moon Camera and Machine in Portland, Oregon, and I'm sitting here with Jake from Blue Moon Camera and Machine. How are you today, Jake? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's good to finally get out here. For those who don't know about Blue Moon, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. We say if you want to get this film developed, best shot is Blue Moon. Could you give us a little bit about Blue Moon and its history? We sort of emphasize on being able to handle any kind of film which anybody has, trying to make sure that people who are taking the trouble to shoot film have an opportunity to run it all the way through the film-based process. Most of what that means is optical-style printing. When you give us a roll of film, instead of putting it down a digital workflow, we're working it lenses light onto a piece of photo paper, keeping it as an all-analog process. And then additionally, we make sure that you can have access to the different kinds of camera equipment, all of which works, all of which is warranted. So we, we talked a little bit about the services that Blue Moon kind of has. When you walk in the shop, first thing you see are probably hundreds of cameras. Can you guys talk a little bit about what you offer in terms of used gear? I know I see everything from 4x5s to 8x10s to RB67s. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we 
we specialize in all film equipment, it allows us to offer many, many different formats and many, many different styles. So we can have a lot of 35mm rangefinders and 35mm reflexes and all of the stuff that goes with them. Plus we do an extensive amount of medium format and large format. One of the big points is we're not running an antique store, we're running an appliance store. Everything that we sell works, everything that we sell is warranted, everything that we sell is ready to go and go out and actually be used. So people know that when they're coming in and they're buying from us, they're not just getting the expertise, but they're buying something which they know will function as it's supposed to. Yeah, I know one of the things that me and you know my girlfriend, we were looking at 4x5s, they're hard to find that definitely work. You know, we're in the process of getting a lens repaired, things along that lines. It's nice to actually come to a place where, all right, if I want, you know, a Nikon F, it'll work. If I want a Fuji GX680, it'll work. Sure, and we were able to actually give you the guidance. When you're looking for 4x5, do you want a press camera or a rail camera or a field camera? We can run you through the differences between those, both in terms of what you need, their design, their effectiveness, and budget, and help dial in exactly what it is that you want to do. Yeah, and it's hard to find stuff online that's reasonably priced, but everything in here seems to be priced exactly what I would deem respectable and value, and what it should be valued at. Oh yeah, we keep careful track of the market um, and we're pretty well aware of what sells for what price at what time and we're not a flea market and we're not Craigslist, we're offering a different service yeah. but we try to also be very realistic about what it is that we're putting forth out into the world. Yeah. When did Blue Moon start? I mean, when did you guys... You know, if you guys were at another location, when did you guys move to the location in North Portland? How, why did Bloomin' start? Was it a lack of something like this? Exactly right. We started in 2001 in this location, so this is all sort of from scratch. So we're getting, it'll be 12 years this coming December. We're very much sort of a product of all of the other stores becoming digital stores and electronic stores and um, our assertion that there's still a good place and a good market for actual film photography stores where that's the specialization right. and that's what we do. And we've gotten busier while all of the competitors have been going out of business. We've been getting busier and busier every year. Yeah. We've been adding staff and adding shifts because as we get a, certainly the market's shrink, shrinking a lot, but yeah. there's also not a whole lot of people paying attention to it. So we get all of it, which is good because that's where our passion lies. You guys have been here for so long, and you guys have probably seen how the market has changed. How has the film market changed and the audience that shoots films, stuff like that? There was a uh, pretty precipitous dip from starting in 2001 till probably 05, and then everything really started swinging back, and there was a pretty significant backlash back from digital. Yeah. And I'm also uh, encouraged because almost all of our demographic are younger people, under 30 years old, and they come rolling in and they... I, oh, I really, I want my first real camera. You yeah. Know? And that's, that's, that's very exciting to me, and that's, that's what we really want to offer. Yeah. Speaking of first real camera, I guess, what is the most popular camera that you guys sell? Um, I mean, I see a lot of 4x5s, a lot of medium format, not as much 35mm as one would expect, at least at least as I would expect. What, what do you guys sell the most? Well, the market has been changing a lot, and uh, I think really what it's evolving into is that people are either going to be taking pictures with their phones or full-size DSLRs or medium and large format if they're going to be shooting film. The price on all that stuff has come down so much in the past few years that um, it's it's very reasonable for people to just get started with a larger format. Yeah. And if you're not shooting digital and you're approaching, if you're approaching film at all, it generally means because you want to move a little slower. 
because you yeah. want to be a little more meditative and a little more deliberate in your shooting style. And so you can handle the, the fewer number of frames and the somewhat more yeah. complex workflow of medium and large yeah. format. Again, this is Hunter White reporting for FPP at Blue Moon Camera Sheen, and I'm here with... My name is Kat. I'm here with Kat. What is your role here at Blue Moon? I do a little bit of everything right now. When I uh, first started out, I was hired as the scanner, and so I would spend all day, every day, scanning negatives into our computer and then processing everything. Um, whenever we turn out anything, be it prints or scans, our goal is to always turn out something that's finished. We like to turn out final products versus anything that's in process, so... With our scans as well as our prints, we like to push out everything that is ready to go, ready to be uploaded, ready to be put online, on Facebook, on Flickr, and sent off to digital printers anywhere. Um, that's our goal, to make sure that you have to do as little work as possible. So that's what I was doing when I first started. Um, I started on the scanner. I was there for probably about six to nine months, just exclusively scanning. Um, then uh, started getting what we call the scanner burnout. <laughs> it, uh, scanning all day, every day is wonderful. I got to visit so many places just by sitting in front of that computer screen, and I would scan old negatives from Egypt, old, you know, new negatives wow. from Italy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Is it primarily old stuff or new stuff? No, it's a healthy mixture of both. Um, we get a lot of customers shooting new film. I would say more customers shooting fresh film than old film. So that's really encouraging. The old film is especially interesting <laughs> to yeah. me because I like the I like old stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I work here, um, but. I really it's enjoy. Portland, everybody likes old stuff. Exactly, yeah. We have, especially St. John's, we're like stuck in the 50s. <laughs> we have a fascination with the old. And that's what I really enjoyed getting a look at things that people have not looked at in the past 50 years. I really enjoy that. I, li I enjoy putting new life into it after it's been sitting in a drawer for decades. Um, a lot of people come to us because we still process. 127 film and 126 film and a lot of people come to us because they see us as their only option because unfortunately so many places have stopped doing that processing whereas we're still committed and will forever be committed to continuing that processing. I know we tell people send your 127 to Blue Moon. Yeah, well thank you. Thanks yeah. for the recommendations. Um, we get a lot of that kind of film in because again people know about us and they see us as one of the last last stands to do yeah. such a thing and and we are in some ways which is sad in some ways but in others we're very committed to continuing to do it um but we also do normal you know well when i say normal the the more like 35 millimeter 120 we do a lot of work that isn't obscure films and we do have a pretty healthy customer base here in portland but i feel like we could extend the base quite a deal um out to yeah. more of the states and uh, and beyond. We do a lot of international work as well. And obviously for the 127 film, 126 and Minox film that you can't really do anywhere yeah. else, we're a clear option, but I think we should be more of an obvious option for the more common films as well because of the quality of the work that we do. And also the quality of our service. We're very dedicated. You can call us at any time and ask us any question, and we'll spend we'll spend a lot of time on the phone with you if we yeah. need to and explain, answer all your questions. And I think our end products is really worth sending yeah. in your film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned Minox. Can you tell us a little bit about Minox or Spy Film? Um, 
Mike said, are you guys the spy film headquarters, I guess? In America, we are at the moment. A lot of other places have abandoned Minox, but we won't. We're kind of headstrong, just like Minox customers, yeah. <laughs> against the, the opposition of not being able to find a lot of film for Minox cameras. We personally speak to Minox Germany on almost a monthly basis to try and get status reports on what's when we can expect more film, are they still doing film? For the most part, the answer has been yes. We are also pursuing, looking into other options too, of maybe eventually getting another site to pull Minox film from, possibly even making our own. We're not opposed to that idea. Same for 127 and 126. Basically, if there's, if there's not an avenue for us to get it, we will provide it ourselves. Okay. And what varieties of Minox do you guys offer? At the moment, um, as far as film goes or as far as cameras go? Both. Okay. Well, um, I know more about the film than I do about the cameras. I've shot with Minox briefly. Um, I don't know as much about the cameras, like individual differences between each of the generations. There's, I'm sure, a lot to know, a lot yeah, of subtleties. Yeah, I'm sure hardcore Minox fans would be like, no, there's this and that. Exactly. I don't want to upset any yeah. Minox uh, customer. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. This is Hunter reporting again for FPP, and I'm here with Zeb from Blue Moon Camera and Machine. First of all, what is your role here? I've been here, I've been working at Blue Moon for about 10 years, so technically speaking, I'm the lead manager. Okay. Uh, unofficially, I get to run around and put out all the fires that Jake starts. Yeah. So. I do a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. One of the things to me that makes you guys unique is you guys are a, a optical print, is a, you know, a fully manual printer. Like, you guys don't do anything automated. Can you tell us a little bit about how that differs from a place like Dwayne's or a place that, or like Walgreens? Well, that's quite a comparison between Dwayne's and Walgreens. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I don't know much about Dwayne's services. I, I know lots about Walgreens services, but we won't we won't go there. Yeah. Um, it's it's a different aesthetic. You know, you could talk to a, a a music aficionado, and they could tell you all about the difference between digital and analog music, and and the qualities of of each. And it's a similar comparison uh, between digital printing and, and optical printing. Uh, without a doubt, you can make great digital prints these days and the technologies come along uh, such that it is possible yeah. but optical prints they're they're completely analog there's there's uh, more or less unlimited information in terms of tonality and, and, and um, densities and, and, and such stored in a negative and an optical print brings all that out and there's also you know, a large part of what we do is based not just on the sole fact that we're using optical machines but that we take a very tactile, hands-on approach to our printing. We, we, we have a real, live, living, breathing, printer. caring yeah. printer uh, sitting there, going through the rolls a frame at a time, you know, looking at them, you know, with the same level of scrutiny they'd spend looking at their own stuff, you know, and all the staff here is very passionately active personally as photographers too, so uh, we're all very invested in it and and that I think is more what sets us apart you know the, the, the combination between doing optical printing but also taking a very hands-on um, and in a very thorough approach to making every frame look yeah. like a fine art print yeah a lot of people have seen a black and white dark and print, but not many people have seen color dark and prints you guys do color dark and prints correct in a fashion we do okay. uh, we don't have facilities 
in the store for color darkroom printing. But we're lucky to live in Portland. Portland has a optical rental color darkroom uh, that you that Where anybody is this? I need to know. Uh, it's uh, you develop. They also go by the name Digicraft, um, okay. Southwest Barber Boulevard. Uh, I believe their website is youdevelop.com, uh, but you should fact check me on that. And, they, yeah, anybody on this can walk off the street, rent time in their color dark room, and print on color enlargers and do it, you know, just like a fiber uh, black and white print. Um, we, one of our staff, prints there regularly. So, yes, we okay. do offer the service of custom color darkroom printing as well. If anybody is interested in color darkroom printing, I strongly recommend it. I did it freshman year of school and it is quite an experience. You either love it or you hate it. It's a Pandora's box. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can, and you're right, you either love it or hate it. You'll either get lost in the world of it or, or you'll, it'll drive you to Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Blue Moon Camera and Machine. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the machine side of things. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Typewriters. It's typewriters. It started out is the love of the store's owner, Jake, um, and he's a big typewriter aficionado. It, it fits with, yeah. you know. It's, it fits with Portland. It fits with Portland, too. Yeah. Uh, the, the tactile nature of typewriters and the joy you can get from them is very similar to the joy that comes from the tactile nature of a lot of uh, the, the film cameras we sell, and they make wonderful noises, also like a lot of the film cameras we sell. Yeah, that's why I love film cameras, the sound. Yeah. Right. There's nothing like having a device that makes a unique noise that you can be halfway across the room and hear it go off and say, oh, that's a Hasselblad or yeah. that's a Pentax K1000 or that's an RB67, you know, especially in this day and age where cameras either don't make any noise or, they yeah, they're engineered to make a fake noise yeah. that sounds like all the, the other. most generic <laughs> noise possible. Yeah. We mentioned Portland. Can you tell us a little bit about how Portland has, you know, had an influence on Blue Moon, how it's been to Blue Moon? Um, I know being in Portland for the summer, it's, Portland has its own flavor, I guess. It's very unique. It is. It's an artist town. So from that point of view, it's, it's uh, yeah, a lot of photographers, a lot of sculptors, a lot of painters. It's, it's, jam-packed with with artists and and that's that's a double-edged sword you know it's like you hold a, a a photo show here in portland and you have no problem generating enthusiasm and getting people to come out and look at it uh but uh you don't sell much in this yeah. town. <laughs> at least not in terms of artwork because everybody looking at your art is also artists and yeah. they'll be inspired to go out and do their own and they can't afford to buy any yeah. but it 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 fits really well um because Portland does have that that reputation is is quirky and 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 um, you know, I guess you know mildly innovative and and, and you know a little bit uh, hipsterish or maybe a lot yeah. hipsterish. Uh, yeah. You know, Portlandia after all is um, seeds of truth. Yeah, it's uh, not too far from the <laughs> truth. Right. So having a quirky hipsterish kind of store based entirely on film and film equipment and putting it in Portland, there's there's fewer better places you can yeah. locate a store like this. And, all right, well, thank you so much. I want to give you a quick portrait, but thank you for the interview. You're welcome, Hunter. Yeah. This is Hunter White. I'm out. Back to you, Mike. It's been fun. I'll see you soon. I'm a Terminator. Sabaton Systems Model 101. I'm building a human a bit at a time. I've 
Got all the parts and I've done the design Out here in my shed I can put him together Got marbles for ice and his skin is old leather Got powerful legs and there's one extra hand Cause I need a good drummer to play in my band I'm hoping he'll get me some publicity Make sure that he's more photogenic than me I've got some big ideas in store I'm gonna win a Nobel Prize for science And maybe even more With my homemade human back the the most extraordinary thing that has happened to me here in the FPP this year is a, a, a progression into the new, into the new and the unknown and for me I was always fascinated by folks who can take 100 foot or larger reels and break them down into 35 millimeter cartridges to shoot in your in your still camera. I had seen over at Leslie's store, imagine that, I had seen like the bulk loaders and I was always fascinated by them and always thought, well how do you load film, you know, without without, you know, exposing it to light? Like how? How do you do this? So I I took the leap, I took the jump and um, I now use a, a bulk loader. I'm now handling film. I uh, showed uh, Matt and Leslie my little setup. I pulled my it's reels from, because we're motion picture, I had all of the rewinds, professional 35 millimeter, or say professional, like professional maybe circa 1955, <laughs> <laughs> like the professional reels and rewinds. I mean, those it's are just like, a piece of board with two things on it. That that's right. No, but it's it's a huge time saver. I'm sure. I have split reels, yeah. so you could take a you could take like a 400 foot of film, put it on the reel, and then put the cover on, and then put that on the rewind, so you could download mm. 400 foot film to 100 foot little daylight spools. Nice. So the point is that I'm into the the unknown and is now known, which is. Uh, rare and unusual film stocks. I didn't re- really know how many rare and unusual films there are, and there are quite a few. Mm. There are. Mm-hmm. You know where I learned to bulk load, Mike? Where? Photo stock. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, think about that. Full, full circle, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Photostock. There was a gentleman from Chicago there, Andy, I believe, and he showed me how to bulk load. Well, here at the FPP, uh, we do giveaways each, each, uh, each every two weeks. 
And today's is the FPP in cooperation with our good friend Lance from Belgium. Oh. Oh. Speaking about interesting film stocks. That's right. Wow, yes. There are a bunch of FPP listeners who have been into the rare and unusual, but our radar wasn't up. We weren't, like, picking up their signals. Lance (laughs) has a site, laboratory.com, L-A-B-E-A-U-R-A-T-O-I-R-E. Okay. Laboratory.com. It's a little lesson in spelling, but otherwise. And the FPP store, filmphotographystore.com. We now stock our own hand-rolled and some film exclusively from Lance from Belgium. Cool. And he sent some film over, and I have a little mixed bag here. Some of it I'm giving, one big pile we're giving away to a listener. Mm -hmm. Another pile I have for John Fideli. Whoa, no kidding. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But what we're giving away, which you go to filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways. Yeah. I have to say, Mike, of the funky films, when you you sent that, uh, was that the double X pan you sent? Yes. Mm -hmm. That stuff was great. It's, yes. I really liked it. It was uh, just shooting a a new, you get a grab bag of this new film. You've never shot it before. It's kind of like a new excitement right in the back. It is, right? right? Yeah, and the little five pack is perfect because like the first roll, you're not sure. (laughs) And then by the second roll, you've got it. And then you're like, yeah, I got three three more rolls yeah. to yeah. get through it, and it's just perfect. So uh, now, should should people research how to expose for these shots or what they're going to well, get? Par- for me, at least, part of the fun is the research. Mm-hmm. Like on the – I had no idea. It's called Eastman Double X. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the motion picture films are called Eastman in front rather than Kodak. Really? So it's Eastman yeah. Double X. Mm-hmm. 5222. And that's the emulsion. Uh-huh. And this is the film, of course. Remember – a few shows ago, we were talking about Casino Royale. Yep. 007 was shot on it. 007. Uh, Schindler's List. Like a few, you know, the major motion pictures are using this film yeah. stock. Right. And there's nothing mysterious about this film. There's no special way to process it. You just process it. D76. As normal. is, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's no weird, you know, gooky layer. What, no. What's the process for that? Processing? It's not C41. It's no, it's just black and white. It's black and white. It's just black and white. You got yeah, yeah. HC110, D76. You can use Cafenol. Rodinol. Yeah. Of course, yeah. the dark room will know what to do with it if you just send it to yes. them. Oh, yeah, like yeah. here. Oh, absolutely. They'll look at it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm coming up with very, like, very much like Starbucks kind of like descriptions. Like um, for like Polypan F, it's like smooth and silky. <laughs> you know, for that helps. That helps. The Eastman Double X, which we call FPP Cinema Pan XX. Mm-hmm. I, I'm calling it. Um, it's rich and bold. Nice. It's a very rich look. I, I like very, it. Very, very full tonality. Yeah. yeah. The, the, mm. all, the, all the mid-tones are there. I, I, all the mid-tones. That's what I like. Yeah. So n- this, whole, this whole kind of explosion, now I have a little <laughs> section here at FPP yeah. where, you know, I have all these kind of unusual films, and the stocks come up on the site. So if you're a fan of this kind of stuff, I would say visit the 35-millimeter section of the site. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's huge. In this giveaway, filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways we have Eastman Nitrate Super X <laughs> oh no this is part of giveaway Lance sent this for giveaway oh okay <laughs> uh, this is uh, expired 1940s uh, we have a hand rolled of Velvia 50 ooh uh, a roll of Polypan F the smooth and silky mm. <laughs> it's glowy and what's it the ASA glowing. on that one 
50. 50. 50. Uh, a roll of Lucky 200 Chinese black and white aerial spy film. It's <laughs> green. It's green. green. It's like, yeah. it's like shamrock green, that? yeah. It's Chinese military surplus. So what, what is the green going to add with black and white? Uh, that's just like an anti-halation layer, isn't it? Yeah. It's moisture damaged. <laughs> ISO 100. Oh, excellent. Moisture damaged. Here's a roll of Shmina MZ3. Shmina, no kidding. Soviet motion picture film. The same people who make the cameras? S-V-E-M-A. Yes. Yeah. I got it down to 3-A-S-A. Oh, is that right? When I shot it. I mean, that's what it worked out to be. Here is a roll of uh, the FPP double uh, uh, X, the, the Eastman double X. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. You guys are going to love it. And a roll, which we haven't uh, made available yet, maybe as of this airing. This, there's been a lot of buzz on the web. The Kodak Hawkeye traffic surveillance film. Oh, surveillance film. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Traffic surveillance film. That's right. It's where they were putting the traffic cameras. Oh, Before they went dig. Yeah. Uh, no yes. kidding. And that's why the traffic cameras have scaled down in size, because they used to have a, the canister with... Did they put the 100-foot rolls in there? Probably. For the, the traffic yeah. cams? Yeah, they had yeah. the big container. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess they was, used to click off one frame at a time. Yeah. And it's amazing... The emulsion's been comped to Ektar. Oh, the full, okay. like, It's like the 400-speed version of Ektar. Okay, no I can kidding. see that, mm-hmm. yeah. And we'll be talking more about this That this sounds emulsion. interesting. Yeah, I have some of that for you. This is the stuff that interests me. It just looks so weird. So that's that's the package. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rolls of film is up this month for those who like to experiment. And uh, do check that out. And I do have some film here for the gang. Uh, for John, I have some of the Eastman Double X, black and white. Bold, rich and bold. Rich and bold. I have a roll of um, Ektachrome 7239 Ooh. E6. Really? It's 160. E6. I have a Velvia 50. Nice. I have some more bold. And I have three rolls here. Uh, you have to let me know if you're interested in it, John. I'm interested. This is very rare. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm totally interested. You can't, like, just put it on your shelf and forget about it. No, I'm going to bring it down to the beach with me. This is uh, Eastman 5360 Direct MP film. It's a black and white positive film. Whoa. I have what? a role for Leslie, Matt, and John. Wow. Yes. It's, cool. uh, let's see what the ISO is. ISO 0.5. How do you do that? What point, do you so do? 0.5 or it says point, 0.5. Says 0.5. Would that be 0.5 or would that be 0.5? It's a half. It's a half. Oh, it's half it's ASA. Half. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like slower than my plate. Okay. How do you do this? <laughs> well, let's see. You have the Gossam Luna Pro. Most of your meters will go down to like 12 goes or down 6. To. Right. And then you just, you just keep going. Oh, look at down that. Yeah, How far is your goes, Mike? The Luna Pro goes down to okay, keep compensating. 3. Yeah. Then under, oh, 1.6, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8. So yeah, they had a half stop. Yeah, but uh, that that pretty much wraps up this show. What show? show. I want to really thank everyone for listening. We're at podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Boing. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here, and uh, actually, I can't tell you how excited I am about these hand rolled different yeah. film stocks. One lucky person. I'm a gr- I'm a guy who grew up seriously just shooting Kodak 400. You know, uh, when I was a kid, it was uh, VR 400. Okay. And then VR 1000 came out. In this heyday, I, in the film heyday, I did not take advantage of all the beauty, the beautiful emotions that were out there. So I know a lot of folks complain that, oh my God, film is you going away, yada yada. But there's an awful, there's an awful lot of selection. There's still a ton out there. Yeah. Yes. And so. we're just offering, you know, a small spattering of it. I kind of feel like we're like the uh, zombie survivors. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're hoarding all the film. Like, you know, people are like, there is no civilization. And like, yes, there is. It's right here. It's film. <laughs> I don't know what that all means, but that's the way I feel. Hey, uh, we're going to go out with a song, a few songs from the new Ballard album, Bucky. Bucky. Some great tunes on that. Great and tunes on all his stuff. Go to the show notes, filmphotographyproject.com, our website. There's a button up top that says, sh- says podcast, and those are our show notes. Check it out, and we'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks. Imagine a world where no one ever worked for a living All they do is play Living for the day Take a walk in the park Get a haircut from your robot barber Play some hoverboard Up against the hover wall What a thing to aspire to Oh, what a beautiful dream Automation's killing me We fill our days with synthetic drugs and cheap movies And we chop at home smartest phones And a man in a factory With an over-involved index finger Pushes just one switch And you think your job's a bitch Oh What a thing to aspire to Yeah.